pray for them as we uh, dive into the Gospel of Mark today. But before that, we're going to have time of prayer. Um, like I said, I'll be praying for a few countries this morning. If you haven't picked up a prayer guide for the persecuted church, uh, they're back on the table there, so you can take it home and um, pray for countries each and every day um, throughout the month of November. Um, so I'll be praying for a few during this prayer and also for just different needs of our church. Um, this Tuesday, we, we got a, an update. Uh, Rosemary will be coming home on Tuesday, and then she'll have home rehab for about four to six weeks or so. Um, so continue to pray for Rosemary and her recovery. Um, and I think, Verna Beth, your son's getting better, right? Or recovering well. Um, so we praise God for that. Um, so again, uh, I think we say it every Wednesday evening, prayer works, right? Uh, even if it's one person, even if it's three people, four people, five people. Uh, we had seven, I think, Wednesday, right? Uh, so we are... Um, I see prayer working, um, and I hope that you still believe that prayer works, and you're doing it at home, you're doing it at work, you're doing it at play. Um, when I'm on the golf course, I say mini prayers, you know. <laughs> right, Mike? <laughs> I pray for Mike's attitude, okay? No, 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 no. no. But we, we can pray every, anywhere we are, right? Uh, we don't have to be in church. We don't have to be... Um, at our prayer closets. We don't have to be in our, wherever we are. We can pray wherever we are. Um, So don't forget that. God is with you wherever you are. And it's what a blessing that is. So let's pray um, as we dive into the book of Mark. And before I pray, we're going to read the text. um, Because I like to read before I pray. uh, So we can ingrain that, the text into our minds too. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Mark chapter 6. Verses 45 to 56, we're finishing chapter 6. Again, it's going to be maybe a familiar text for you, but I hope that you're excited to go to it. Um, I was again this week. It's a familiar text, which I've heard many, many times, but there's phrases and things that jumped out at me this week that has never jumped out at me. So let's read it. John, or not John, Mark chapter 6. Here we go. John was there, but Mark's writing for us. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida. While he dismissed the crowd, after leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on the land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them, walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. They were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. When they had crossed over, the, they landed at Gennesaret and anchored there. As soon as they got out of the boat, people recognized Jesus. They ran throughout the whole region and carried the sick on mats to wherever they heard He was. And wherever He went, into villages, towns, or countryside, they placed the sick in the marketplaces. They begged Him to let them touch even the edge of His cloak, 
and all who touched it were healed. Let's pray together this morning. God, thank you so much for the Gospel of Mark. Help us today to have open ears, open minds, open hearts to what you have for us through the book of Mark. It might be a familiar story, but help us to look to you for wisdom and guidance into the truth. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that is among us even right now, leading and guiding into the truth. So help us to follow the leading of the Spirit. Thank you for the updates. Um, Thank you that Rosemary Craft is going to come home, but I pray also for the continued rehab in her home that she would be able to recover well and get stronger so she'll be able to put weight on those legs. So thank you for that she gets to come home, but be with her through this time. Thank you for Vernabeth's son and the update that he's feeling better, but he's still got a long way maybe to recover, but we thank you for being with him and praise you for watching over his life. Thank you for the church as a whole, and we know that Yes, we live in a country where there's freedom to worship you, but there's countries that don't have the freedom to do it openly. So right now I think of some of these restricted and hostile countries of Egypt, Eritrea, Ethiopia, and India. I pray that you would be with those believers there, and we even know some in India. We have um, Enoch Bila that's working there with the people and spreading the gospel message there. We thank you for the missionaries that are in these countries and the Christians that are praising you and proclaiming the name of Jesus to those around them, even if it's hostile or restricted. So watch over them and protect them. Thank you again for Jesus and how we can remember his death, burial, and resurrection this morning. There's life in the name of Jesus. There's life that he gives through his death, burial, and resurrection. So thank you for Jesus and help us to proclaim the message of Jesus to whoever we can so that people will come to know Jesus as Savior. Again, thank you for Mark and his writings. So help us as we dive into this text to learn more about who Jesus is and how we need to live out our lives with Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. So, the Gospel of Mark. Remember, we started off the Gospel. How many, if you've been with us, it's been a long series so far, and we're not even halfway through. So, this is our 13th message in the series already. We started way back in August 21st, and now we're in November. And we studied it together. We've read it. We've Um, dived into it, and we've learned, I hope, a lot about who Jesus is, about what He taught His disciples, and how He's telling His disciples, hey, you need to go out and do things. Remember, they taught and, and casted out demons, and then they distributed food, what they had. But He's calling His disciples, remember, way back in chapter 1, I'm going to make you what? Fish for people. One translation said, fish for people's souls. I like that one because the soul is what is the most important thing. Your spiritual soul. Where are you at spiritually? That's what Jesus wants His disciples to go out and and get people to realize. And sometimes the disciples were confused, right? They're like, who is this Jesus? 
And we're going to learn that again today, that they misunderstood some things. But remember how Mark started off, and I hope that you've ingrained this in your mind each and every day, the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. Are you telling people that Jesus is Messiah? That's what Mark is telling us. He's going through this whole book that he wrote down for us, this whole gospel according to him, about who Jesus is. And we've seen that each and every week, I hope. As a reader, remember the question we need to answer. You probably, I hope you memorize the question. And you're always asking yourself this. Who is this man, Jesus? You need to make that answer for yourself. I can't say, this is what you need to answer. Every time somebody says, who is Jesus? You need to answer this way. Oh, that's what Keith said, so I'm going to answer it like that. No, you have to come to the conclusion, who is Jesus to you? And the most important thing is, I hope, Jesus is the Messiah. That's what we need to come to a conclusion. That's the first one you need to come to. But that's all Mark's about. The beginning of the good news of Jesus the Messiah. So we come to Mark chapter 6, verse 45, and you see that immediately. So immediately after what just happened, he just fed 5,000 plus people. That's a lot of people. Men, women, children. On the green grass, remember, he was feeding them. And immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat. Have you ever made somebody do something? Like, you need to do this, okay? Right now, you need to go that way. That's what Jesus is doing. The word there is meanings to necessitate, compel, drive to, constrain, whether by force, threats, etc., or by persuasion. He's telling them to, you need to get in that boat and leave this place. Jesus is making them. In my reader's New Testament, a reader's Greek New Testament, I open that up and the word definition in that one, it says, compel, force, invite, strongly urge. So Jesus looks at his disciples and says, I am urging you to get in that boat and go to the other side. You need to get out of here. Okay? That's what that word is. Do you ever, I mean, I never pictured Jesus making people do something, but here it is. I just, I just want to know how he did it. Like, did he pick them up, throw them in the boat, get out of here, or what? But sometimes I do that with people, my, my own kids. I'm like, you need to get on that side. Like, I'm going to throw you over there, okay? So they're going ahead of them to Bethsaida, and if you know the end of the story, they don't land at Bethsaida. They'll get there later. But while he dismissed the crowd, so Jesus dismisses his disciples for, get in the boat, you need to get out of here. Then he has to do something with the crowd. I don't know how one person dismisses 5,000 plus people. I don't, I mean, I hope to do that one day. Maybe this place is 15,000 people and I got, you got to get out of here, okay? But Jesus dismisses the crowd. Again, I don't know how he did it, but he obviously had a booming voice and said, get out of here. And they left. And then after leaving them, so Jesus says, okay, crowd, you're dismissed. Now he's leaving them, Jesus, and he went up on a mountainside to pray. Jesus goes on a mountainside to pray. Have you ever just gone alone and prayed? Sometimes I, I do, but not all the time. And Jesus says, or goes up on a mountainside to pray. Alone. 
Jesus is alone on the mountainside. I don't know how quiet that was, but I just picture it as quiet as can be, and he's just alone with his Father. And then verse 47 comes. Later that night, so he's been praying a long time, okay? A couple, few hours, a couple hours, I don't know how long, maybe five, six, seven hours even. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on the land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars. He saw the disciples from the mountainside straining at the oars. I don't know about you, but it's nighttime. I can't see very clearly when it's nighttime. I'm like, uh, is that you, Perry? I don't know if that's you or, or Laura. Who is that? I don't, you know, Bill Corder, is that you? Like, you would all be the same to me, right? But he sees them straining at the oars. I think only Jesus could see them. I don't know. From that, I don't know how far they were, but Jesus saw them straining at the oars. So what does he do? Shortly before dawn, he went out to them, walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them. So Jesus is done praying, or he's, while he's praying, he sees them. I don't know. One, um, one definition of that word saw is he saw them in his mind. Like he could be seeing them, but he's also picturing them in his mind. Like I can see what they're doing. They are tired, they're straining, they're, they're, dif- they're having a difficult time. Just think about that. Jesus can see in his mind even what they're doing. But he goes out to them, walking on the lake. I've never seen somebody walk on the lake, so I don't know what it looks like. But he was about to pass by them. So he's about to pass the boat. Remember, they're straining at the oars, okay? Have you ever been straining at the oars? The wind is so hard. You're trying to go one way and the boat's going the other way. Have you ever? Yes, no, maybe so. Nobody? There's only one time. I wasn't straining at the oars, but I was nervous, okay? Because we were, we were at a resort in the Philippines. Kelsey's on the shore with uh, Kezia at the time. She's like one years old. So I'm like, I'm going to take the kayak out. Or, yeah, I'm going to get the kayak, rent the kayak, go out. And it's windy. So the guy should have never let me take the boat out. Okay. He should have been like, it's too windy. You should not go out. You should get the jet ski instead. I should have. But he said, take as long as you want. Come back when you get back to the, that's fine. Just take it out as long as you want. You get whatever hours, okay? I'm like, okay, cool. I get as long as I want on this kayak. And what happens? I get out, and I'm like heading off the resort, okay? And I'm trying to like get inside the rock so I can go to the beach area, and I could not. So all I could do is like wave my oar, and hopefully they saw me. And all of a sudden, I hear the boat coming, and they picked me up. But I was like, the wind was taking me off the resort. I was actually off the resort. I found a rock to be... uh, to hold my position. But that's the only time I felt like I was nervous about the wind taking me somewhere I didn't want to be. And the disciples were doing the same thing. But what happens when they see this person, this ghost, they thought it was a ghost, this manifestation of something walking on the lake, about to pass them, and they cried out because they all saw him, the ghost, as they thought, and were terrified. 
They were terrified, not because they were like, this is so hard, I'm, what are we going to do? Remember back in chapter 4, I think it is, if I'm mixing my chapters, remember he calmed the storm with the voice, he was sleeping, and they said, we're going to die, Jesus, what are you doing? He wakes up, quiet, be still, and the wind calms down. They didn't remember that, I don't know. But they're not worried about the sea at this time, the lake. They are terrified because something is walking on the lake. They don't care what's happening with the wind right now. They weren't scared. They weren't terrified. They were like, okay, this is normal maybe. But they see this ghost and are terrified. What? I'd be scared about the wind, but okay. The Greek word terrified here is to trouble, to strike one's spirit with fear or dread. So they see this ghost and they're struck. Their spirit is struck. They are scared of whatever this being is, okay? And then immediately. You know, remember Mark is that uses that word immediately many, many times. I forgot the number, but it's, I think it's over, it's at least over 30 times, okay? I think it is, and even more than that, immediately. So this is the, things are happening, but immediately he spoke to them. So this being, this manifestation starts speaking to the disciples in the boat. They don't know what it is. Remember, they think it's a ghost. And Jesus, we know it's Jesus because we're reading it. He spoke to them and said, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. What are they afraid of? They're afraid of Jesus, right? The ghost. But Jesus is like, take courage, it's I. Don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat and the wind died down. And they were completely amazed. So Jesus says, take courage. That's our title. I just took it straight from that. Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. He gets in the boat, the wind dies down. There's no more straining at the oars. There's no more of that. But then they are completely amazed they're amazed that Jesus gets in the boat and the wind has died down again. They're amazed. But what does it say right after that? Verse 52. For they had not understood about the loaves. Remember, they got in the boat. Jesus says, get into the boat. You, we just fed 5,000 people plus. You need to get in the boat. Get out of here. And they didn't understand what the loaves was all about. And then something that struck me was the one, the phrase right after that. Their hearts were hardened. Their hearts were hardened. One writer, Paul McReynolds, says this, We ought to be very careful as we attempt to understand God that we do not miss him. They didn't understand the loaves. They didn't understand what Jesus is all about still. For their hearts were hardened. That word hardened means they're hardening their own hearts. They're losing the power to understand. That's what that word means. And I was sitting at my desk and I thought about understanding and how we understand things and especially about spiritual things in the Bible, is, this, is the Bible hard to understand? 
you can all say yes, it's okay. Because I'm a resounding yes. The Bible is hard to understand. Is God hard to understand? Yes. They didn't understand the lows. Their hearts were hardened. They are losing the power to understand. And again, I kept thinking, how do I understand things? I keep reading and reading and reading, talking with other people, right? If I don't understand something about the Bible, I, hopefully I don't just go, oh, that's too hard, and just go, and throw it away, right? I'll get back to it another time. I don't want to take time to understand it. But I hope that if we don't understand something, like the disciples here, they did not understand the loaves. They were hardening their own hearts. They're like, well... Who's this Jesus? We're amazed, but who is this guy? I hope we don't stop our learning, our growing, our understanding of who God is and what the Bible is all about and how the teachings of Jesus and the apostles and even going back to the Old Testament, we're going to go there soon to see some passages that help us understand this passage a little more. But don't stop learning and growing. I think I've quoted this quote before, but John Wooden, he was a UCLA basketball coach, and he quoted this. He said, if you're through learning, you're through. So if you are not learning, according to John Wooden, you're done. You should just stop doing what you're doing. But if you continue to learn and grow, there's more things to learn and grow. I told somebody this morning, they asked me how I was, I said learning and growing. Because I am. Always learning and growing. So don't stop that. Just like Paul McReynolds, we ought to be very careful as we attempt to understand God that we do not miss Him. Don't understand something and miss God. Don't say, oh, I got this all figured out and you forgot about God. <laughs> You're like, I think I figured this out, but if you have, there's nothing about God in it, then I don't think you actually figured out if it's from the Bible. So don't miss God. Don't miss Jesus. Okay? And one other thing, a writer, David Garland, he said this. Remember, the disciples are not terrified at their straining, remember? They're probably like, this is, this is what we've been doing. We're fishermen. We know this. Don't worry, other disciples. Peter, James, and John, and Andrew, we got it covered, right? Because we're fishermen. We know what this sea is like. They weren't scared there. They were afraid of Jesus. And then Jesus comes and says, hey, take courage, it's I. Don't be afraid. David Garland says, Jesus does not rescue his disciples out of the sea, but enables them to continue the voyage. So they're straining at the oar. Jesus sees it from the mountainside. He goes out to them. He, his intention is to pass by them. But they are scared. They're terrified. But he's like, no, it's just me. Don't be afraid. And then they eventually get to the other side, right? To Gennesaret. He enables them to go on the journey. He's with them. He doesn't just let them out there to defend for themselves. Another writer said this, the disciples should have understood Jesus' powers, but they did not. 
How many miracles have we seen so far? How many? There's many, right? Even in the first five chapters, six chapters, Jesus' disciples have seen Him. Remember, cast out the impure spirits. He's healed many. He's healed a man of leprosy. He's, remember, your sins are forgiven to a paralyzed man. And then He said, get up and walk. He calls sinners to Himself. He's, he's questioned, like, what are you doing, Jesus, with all these sinners? He's saying, I'm powerful. I'm a new person. They need to follow Me. He heals on the Sabbath, uh, the shriveled hand. He, he, he appoints twelve. He teaches things. He's saying, go out, disciples, and you do it too. He's giving power there. He's teaching with power. The parable of the sower, the, the kingdom of God parables. He restores a demon-possessed man out of the caves. Remember that? He's healed a sick woman of bleeding for 12 years. He's healed and raised a 12-year-old girl from the dead. They've seen all this. The 5,000 last week. And they still don't understand what Jesus is all about or who Jesus is. But Jesus says, take courage. It's I. Don't be afraid. I'm going to be with you on this journey. Go with me to Deuteronomy. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. You didn't think we were going to the Old Testament today, but we are. Deuteronomy chapter 31. So as you're turning there, remember Moses is the leader of Israel to to take the people to the promised land, but he messes up and he's not going to be able to see the promised land. He sees it from afar, but he can't lead the people into the promised land because he disobeyed God. And Joshua is going to succeed Moses. So in chapter 31, we're going to read verses 1 through 8, and look what it says. Remember, have these words in mind. Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. That's what Jesus tells His disciples at the boat. Chapter 31 of Deuteronomy, starting in verse 1. Then Moses went out and spoke these words to all Israel. I am now 120 years old, and I am no longer to lead you. The Lord has said to me, you shall not cross the Jordan. The Lord your God Himself will cross over ahead of you. He will destroy these nations before you and you will take possession of their land. Joshua also will cross over ahead of you as the Lord said. And the Lord will do to them what He did to Sion and Og, the kings of the Amorites, whom He destroyed along with their land. The Lord will deliver them to you and you must do to them all that I have commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified. Because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel, Be strong and courageous. For you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them. And you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord Himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Moses is getting this word from God. Joshua is succeeding the people. But what's the main message? Take courage because God is with you. You're going to get into the land. And Jesus comes to His disciples and says, Take courage. It's I. Don't be afraid. If the disciples were 
had any understanding, they probably did, of the Jewish laws and culture. Most, some of them were Jewish. They probably knew this about Joshua and Moses. The story's been passed down. It is I. Take courage. Don't be afraid. Go with me to Joshua. Then you have right, maybe a few pages over to the right in your Bibles. Joshua becomes the leader. He's instilled as the leader. And then this is another. After the death of Moses, starting in chapter 1 of Joshua, verse 1, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses is aid. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. So, remember, Moses is the leader of Israel. And God speaks to Moses. Moses speaks to the people. Now, the Lord comes to Joshua and says, Moses is dead on the mountain. Remember, he's, he died on the mountain as he's seeing the promised land. And now you have to lead these people. And look at verse 6. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Verse 7, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Don't turn from the, to the right or to the left. And again in verse 9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Who's going to be with Joshua wherever he goes? God. Jesus comes to his disciples after seeing them straining at the oars and says, It's I. Don't be afraid. Take courage. Jesus. We know it. But the disciples maybe not understood Jesus is God. Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. Divinity. He's not just a man. It is I. Another translation could be I am. Where have you heard that one before? In the book of Exodus. Moses asked God, What should I call you if the people tell me? Who is this person you're talking to? What does God say? I am. And Jesus is saying, I am. It is I. Don't be afraid. What an encouragement. What a reminder for us as we... We may be hardening our own hearts sometimes. We may be straining at the oars and saying, I can't do this anymore. One interesting verse that came across... In a reading I was reading this week, Proverbs 28, 14. You can just listen to this one, but look what it says. Blessed is the one who always trembles before God, but whoever hardens their heart falls into trouble. Did you, did you hear that? Whoever hardens their heart falls into trouble. The disciples, their hearts were hardened. They were losing the power to understand. They're probably falling into trouble. They don't know who this Jesus is. They didn't understand the loaves that he just fed 5,000 plus. They didn't understand what he was doing. How many times do we 
lose that power to understand and just say, well, it's too hard for me. It's too hard. I can't do it. But take these words with you. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. God's with you. Jesus is with you. And who did Jesus promise to his disciples? Who? The Holy Spirit. Who's what? Going to guide us, lead us into truth. Don't be afraid. I'm not a ghost. I'm not just somebody, some manifestation walking past you, disciples. It's me, Jesus, who's been walking with you, teaching you all along the way. Don't be afraid. Take courage. I was reading a book, and I just finished it this week. It's by Jonathan Isaac. He's an NBA player, which, if you know me, I love the NBA. But he, in his chapter... One of his last few chapters, he writes this. His fiance comes to him. He, he preached once at a church, and so they ask him to preach again, and he's like, I don't know what to say. I'm too nervous. I, I don't want to be misunderstood again because he was misunderstood from his first sermon that he gave. And his fiance, this is what it says. And Takeda, his fiance, would say what she always said because he didn't feel like he was capable of going to preach another sermon. He wasn't capable of speaking up for truth. And Takeda, his fiance, this is what she would say. You're not a mighty man of faith because you're perfect. You're one because you try. You're one because you try. Are you one that says, ah, I don't understand everything, so it's too hard for me. I can't come to Jesus yet. I don't know everything. And I'll say to you, I'm still in that camp sometimes. I don't know everything. I'm still trying to figure out and understand who God is and who Jesus is. But in this book, you are a man of faith because you try, not because you're perfect. Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. And then a a hymn came to my mind. And I was like, how would the disciples maybe have reacted? They were amazed, but they didn't understand the loaves. But I was at my desk and all I could think of, I'm amazed at who God is, I'm just amazed. God is God, God does what God does, and I'm like, Okay, he saved sinners like me and you. And, but this is what I would proclaim if I, I'm just amazed. So this is what the hymn writer Charles Gabriel writes, first verse of my Savior's love. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned unclean do you ever just sit or stand and say God how could you love me a sinner but with this hymn writer 
we can stand up and say, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how He could love me, a sinner condemned unclean. Then you say the refrain, how marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be, how marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. The disciples straining at the oars, Jesus sees them, He goes out to them, they're afraid, they're amazed, but He says, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Is this life journey sometimes scary? It's sometimes hard, right? Sometimes it's easy. Most of the time it's hard. But Jesus is calling us and says, Don't be afraid. It's I, Jesus. I'll be with you through the journey if you call on me, right? If we don't call on Jesus, he's not welcome where he's not welcomed, right? Or he doesn't want to go where he's not welcomed. And then I also was thinking, how do we come close to God? How do we do it? Simple. James, remember the James series? James says, Writes that, remember, James was a brother of Jesus, didn't believe till after his resurrection, and he writes wonderful words for us. He says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and God will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will lift you up. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Jesus, we celebrated, right? We remember Jesus. He went to the cross and died for us, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, for sinners like us. He was buried, and He didn't stay dead, right? He was in the grave, but He rose from the grave, appeared to many, and then said, I have to go to the Father where I'm going to prepare a place for you. And He's seated at the right hand of God. Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. If you need to call Jesus your Lord and Savior, repent. Remember Jesus' simple message. It's hard though. Repent and believe the good news. And then you confess Jesus as Lord and Savior and then you get in that water. And remember, there's nothing magical about the water. But you're going there to say, I need to be buried with Jesus just like He was. Buried in our sins. And you're not in the grave forever. What happens? You are resurrected from the water, right? Resurrected, you know, raised from the water to a what? A new life. You're not dead in your sins anymore. You're resurrected to a new life. The Holy Spirit's in you and oh man, God is with you. You're clothed with Jesus, as we learned, I think, last week. We're clothed with Jesus. And you're going out 
and a new life. And I think Jesus is calling us again and saying to us, take courage. It's I. Don't be afraid of what's ahead. I'm with you in the journey. And one more time, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned unclean. If you know it, you can shout it with me. How marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. God loves you. God loves you. He's died for you. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today as we, yes, we can read and study a familiar story, but help us to understand who Jesus is and how Jesus gave assurance to his disciples and encouragement to his disciples, and he can encourage us today. Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Help us to continue to grow and learn in our faith. And for those who don't have faith and are wondering who this Jesus is, help them to step out and say, I need to know who Jesus is. Help me to understand. And thank you for who you are, the the wonderful matchless grace that you've given to us. How you love us and are kind to us, slow to anger. So help us to remember those words. Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. You're with us, God, so help us to understand that. So if there are those who need to make a decision, I just pray that you would work in their hearts and continue to work in our hearts as we grow in our faith and live the life that you want us to live. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.